Welcome to this podcast from JAMS. In this episode, we're going to explore hybrid mediations and arbitrations, which have become increasingly common in recent months. To talk about that development, we have two JAMS neutrals, both with over two decades of experience mediating and arbitrating complex business disputes. Zeke Claiborne in San Francisco and Michael Young in New York. Thank you both for being with us. Michael, what's driving the popularity of hybrid proceedings? Well, I think there's two two factors going on. One is, uh, given the uncertainty in the world and where we are vis-a-vis the COVID virus, parties have differential views of risk. So some parties are more concerned about the risk of the virus and being in an office with other people than are other parties or some people connected to the party, whether it's a lawyer or the client representatives, more concerned or more sensitive than others might be. So the solution that we try to come up with, and that works in many instances, is the hybrid proceeding where those people who are comfortable can attend in person and those people who are not comfortable can stay uh, available and, and participate fully remotely through the video platforms. As neutrals, we are sensitive to making sure that kind of arrangement doesn't create any unfairness. But again, the availability of the platform and this concept of hybrid proceedings is the solution to that problem. I think in the long term, that's always, there's always going to be an issue that some people are more available to come to to the mediation session in person or the arbitration person than others, whether that's because of concern about cost or travel time or some other reason. And so people are realizing now that we've gone through a year of mediating or arbitrating on Zoom that it's a, or on any kind of platform, a video platform, that it's a good solution. And I think that will become a, uh, a perceived in the long term, even when hopefully we're past the COVID crisis, that will be perceived as a solution to having proceedings where if people may be in different parts of the country or in different parts of the world we can do it with this hybrid mechanism. I think that's what's driving driving it now. And Z, can you talk about some of the advantages that you see to hybrid proceedings? Yes. I, first, I just wanted to say that I agree with Michael because back in you know, March 2020, council were so hesitant to convert hearings to some sort of online uh, forum But offices were closed, the courts closed, and clients needed legal services. So they soon realized they'd have to manage their practices. And now we see how positive the experience can be. And participants are asking for online and hybrid hearings. I think the advantages are several. Flexibility, of course, because particularly as the COVID numbers change. Um, We can move things on or offline pretty easily. It's very efficient, especially for those who are traveling and definitely cost effective. My cases are often international or involve parties from different areas of our country. And some participants can't travel due to COVID restrictions. So for example, I recently arbitrated a case where the claimant was in Colombia and couldn't get out of that country because of the COVID rules. I also dealt with parties in Armenia, so Armenia with dealing with a company in our Midwest. And so we were able to uh, do that. 
and sometimes I think also council in one location may want a neutral from a different one. But let me just talk about a case that I'm working on right now. I have hearings up in Oregon. Two cities are suing a large engineering firm over design of three public facilities. And we are planning a hybrid hearing, an in-person meeting in Portland with council and the key decision makers. The experts would be on Zoom. The city employees would also be on Zoom and insurance representatives could be there too. And that has two great benefits. One is it's always easier. We mediators know it's easier to negotiate with a smaller group of decision makers, but also it means that there's some safety during a COVID. And I think we're going to see a lot of variations on this process now. We just haven't um, figured them all out yet. And Michael, would you add any other advantages uh, to that to that list that, uh, that Z talked about? I mean, I think uh, she's hit them all. You know, flexibility is obviously a, a, a major advantage. You know, just looking from it from the, the mediation perspective, there's many, many times that I've been in situations where somebody important to the process cannot attend in person. And this is irrespective of the COVID crisis. And it was always a uh, unfortunate circumstance and a difficult circumstance to conduct the process knowing that an important person would be available only by telephone. The video option allows for participation throughout the day and is a much, much more effective way of communicating with that person than if it were just the other end of a telephone line. Hopefully we'll uh, make what we've experienced in the past, irrespective of COVID, a more effective way around around that problem. But I think uh, Z otherwise hit the, hit the points. Z, when and how does the hybrid option typically come up in mediation or, or arbitration? Who, who gets to decide what parts of a matter are virtual or in-person? It's an interesting question. You know, I'd say in uh, mediation, the hybrid option arises at different times. And I don't necessarily try to dictate how that will happen. I work with the lawyers and talk about it. And we try to jointly figure out how to manage things so that everybody can be heard in a fair way. So we adapt to changing conditions. For example, I was talking about a mediation up in Oregon. Well, as these COVID numbers are going up, I expect maybe that some of the people we thought we would hear from uh, in person are going to be online. So I wait to hear about that. I do a lot of arbitrating and the plan for arbitration generally occurs during the preliminary conference. That's when we work with the lawyers to plan the handling. And I write a scheduling order. We all arbitrators do that. And that's what I call a blueprint for the case Ultimately, the bottom line in an arbitration is it's up to the neutral to decide. The uh, American arbitration rules say that. The new JAMS rules also say that. And uh, the arbitrator can make a decision to proceed online if that seems to be the best way to handle the case. But it's important to be fair 
and make sure that the process is perceived to be fair. For example, in a recent mediation, I dealt with two sides and only one side wanted to be present in person. And in this particular situation, I could tell that if I met with one side in person and the other side was online, uh, there would be a perception of favoritism. And so I talked everybody into working online and we did get the case settled. Michael, Z just mentioned some conflicts. Uh, have you ever seen those conflicts arise and, and how do you resolve them? Well, let me let me uh, address that, by, but just also add one more thing to what Z had said a second ago, which is my experience over the last year, particularly over the last three, four, five months, has been in uh, arbitrations when we have the case management order or the blueprint, as, as Z, I think, aptly described it. We've sort of left open the issue of in-person or virtual or hybrid and have language, uh, included language that indicated that the parties and the arbitrator would further discuss this as we got closer to the hearing and assess the situation as it then stood. But I think uh, uh, Z referenced the new JAMS rules, which makes it explicit that there can be a virtual proceeding and the arbitrator has the authority to decide that. Uh, Most of us, including I, I think Z, as well as myself, had interpreted the prior version of the JAMS rules as also giving us that authority. And when there was a dispute, we exercised it. We exercised that authority. Interestingly enough, I would say uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, there was some pushback as to whether proceedings should be video. But as it became clearer and clearer that the pandemic was dragging on, the resistance to the video proceedings became less. In the context of a mediation, I think Z is correct in suggesting that ultimately the parties have to decide whether the uh, mediation is in person or hybrid or video. I mean, that's barring certain uh, special circumstances where a court might have ordered a mediation and given the mediator the authority to decide. But barring that exceptional circumstance, generally it's uh, what the parties decide. But as he suggested, the, the mediator is part of that discussion, encourages that discussion, works with the parties to resolve any dispute. I will say certain mediators, and I'm one of them, as of today, has taken the view that I will not mediate in person unless every participant has been vaccinated. So to that extent, the mediator does weigh in and can exercise his his or her own discretion as to what he or she is willing to do. And then secondly, I think Z's point was also right on that the mediator does have an obligation to ensure a fair process. And if doing something hybrid where one party is present and the other party is not present will be or will be perceived as unfair, you probably wouldn't do it. Well, technology is obviously key to successful hybrid proceedings. What's been your experience with the technology at JAMS, Z? Well, it's actually been very good. If you asked me about it back in March of 2020, I would have told you I was terrified that everything was going to fall apart. But our JAMS panelists were trained to work electronically, and we learned very quickly. We had to learn very quickly back in March, and there were no other alternatives then. So we also trained online and then began to use our our Zoom network particularly. It's a funny thing because when I first was trained, I was 
very nervous, especially about mediation, because then we have to be so adept at moving people around and going in and out of breakout rooms. And one of my arbitrator friends, mediator friends said, well, the first time you're really nervous, the second time you feel a little better, and the third time you're an expert. So I think that's pretty much, I imagine Michael will agree with me on that. That's pretty much how it went. So Jams also invested in technology and assistance. We have a wonderful team of Jams moderators. Those are individuals who will set up the meeting, whatever it is on on Zoom or whatever platform it is, and start the day with us, make sure everybody's in, everybody's in the correct room. And that's really helpful. And I can take it uh, from there. We also have what we call a hotline, which is a great thing because the other day I got online to start a mediation and I realized I had the wrong link. And then it occurred to me that probably all of us had the wrong link for whatever reason. And so I called the hotline and somebody answered right away and set everything up so that we were all connected. And we only were maybe five minutes late as a result of that process. I've also had people who were involved in an arbitration, maybe witnesses who had trouble connecting to our arbitration. And the hotline is very helpful that way too. And this year, we've had a lot of remodels in the offices and we've added screens and other devices to make it easier to work online. And then we have something called Zoom carts. I haven't used one of those yet, but I'm told they are, I've learned a new term. I'm told they're platform agnostic, meaning it's not just a Zoom card. It also could be a Teams card or, or whatever. And so that will make it easier if some of us are in the office and some of us are not. So we've learned that neutrals have to have these skills to work online. I understand that clients get very concerned if things don't go smoothly electronically. So we all have to learn how to do that. And I think a lot of things now are done electronically. For example, nobody sends me binders of documents anymore before an arbitration. They put things on a thumb drive and I'm used to that and uh, it works very well. Michael, have you had similarly positive experience with the technology at Jams? Yeah, no, I think that's all correct. I think, uh, you know, I remember this same experience he had at the beginning, sort of trying to figure out what this was all about and waiting with some degree of trepidation for my first case. And as he says, by the second or third or fourth case, I felt very, very comfortable. I think part it's, uh, it was my comfort level, but it was also a question of the parties and the lawyers, at least, who uh, also spent a year mediating or arbitrating using a video platform, got more comfortable with it. The technology improved, but the actual technology improved over the year, as well as jams and adaptations and ways of dealing with it. The only thing I really would add to what Z said is, at least with the arbitrations, the arbitrator community and those of us who arbitrate at jams have developed sort of standard protocols that will govern the use of technology during uh, the arbitration hearing. So there are things or ideas and concepts we've all worked on and now have reduced to a, a written 
protocol slash order that governs the way the proceedings take place. So for example, you know, initially there was some concern about, well, if you have a, a witness who is testifying remotely, how do we make sure that that witness is not being coached uh, somehow or is not looking at some documents that none of us can see? That would have been something that would have been apparent in person. And so we've tried to work around that. The witness is not allowed, for example, to use a virtual background so mm -hmm. that what will be on the screen will be his or her surroundings and not some virtual background. And the other thing I would say uh, we try to work with is to make sure all participants in the process have adequate connectivity because the one sort of problem that still sometimes arises is if there's not adequate connectivity, you lose that participant. Sometimes it happens because there's a, a storm event outside his or her workplace or home, and you know, obviously you can't control for that. But you too try to control for just infrastructure features like ensuring connectivity. But it has gotten better, and as Z says, we we try to be conversant and, and able to function on multiple platforms. And Michael, you've mentioned that technology has increased greater participation, but also greater flexibility among all the parties. Can you talk about the consequences of that for for arbitrations and mediations? Well, I, I think it you know it it has eliminated sometimes the problems of a remote witness in an arbitration and how do you get a remote witness to a hearing? Again, putting aside the COVID constraints, just the, the normal cost constraints, the normal travel constraints. I remember when I first started out two or actually more decades ago, remote witnesses would be heard by conference call and that was not overly satisfactory. This is, uh, you know, having a video option that's easy and better than had been the case is much more effective. And I think part of the reason why we all gravitated towards the video is particularly during this pandemic, the notion of being in a room and either being six to 10 feet away from the next nearest person or wearing a mask was much less helpful in the mediation process or in the adjudicatory process that's part of arbitration than having somebody who you can look at on a screen, albeit on a screen, but you get a front, full frontal view without a uh, mask. And in a very uh, real-time, precise, there's no cloud to the face. You see the face. It's very, it's very, uh, you know, it's very visually satisfying. Is he, how do you see the hybrid proceedings evolving from here? Do you see them becoming the norm? I do. You know, I definitely agree with what Michael said about the old days when we heard witnesses by phone some of the time. I also agree with what he said about meeting in person and trying to handle an arbitration wearing a mask, which I think would be a very difficult thing to do and might be required even if everyone can say they're vaccinated. So I think hybrid hearings will become the norm. Despite the initial resistance, handling mediations uh, and arbitrations online has become actually quite popular. I'm finding now in talking to parties who want to have hearings sometime in 2022, some of them are requesting to meet on Zoom, or at least they're saying, well, please, let's plan to meet in person, but we know that we can switch uh, to an online hearing if uh, conditions change. And I think that 
there's become now a recognition of the fact that panelists, arbitrators, and mediators can be as good online as in person. For example, we have not been seeing that mediated cases settle less frequently if we're online. In fact, I'd say in my practice, it's about the same. They still, they still can settle in some very difficult cases can settle while we're online. And in arbitration, I agree with what Michael said about being able to see the witnesses. I have a, an order that I use. I call it my Zoom order that basically has the details of what the participants need to know and the rules they need to follow while working on Zoom. But when I ask a court reporter to swear a witness in, I also ask that reporter to inquire of the witness who else is in the room. And so we know if anybody's uh, there and we, and we can see that too. So I think hybrid cases are the future. I think we'll get even better at it as time goes on and uh, hybrid techniques will just be a normal part of case management and something that we'll talk about every time we get started on a case. Michael, do you agree? Are you bullish on the future of hybrid proceedings? I, I'm bullish. I would say, just so neither Zee nor I sound too Pollyannish about this, <laughs> uh, I mean, there are cases that probably being in person is, is a little better. I mean, if you have a mediation, you know somebody is going to be very hard to persuade for whatever reason to settle in what is likely the more realistic way. I, th I think all of us feel as good mediators that it would be nice to be able to sort of be with that person in, in person and look him or her directly <laughs> in the eyes and, you know, <laughs> being five or six feet apart, and you know, reasonably and work with that person. I think there was some sense in that technical cases, either mediated or arbitrated, but let's now focus on the arbitrating technical cases, are better off in person. And and I'll just say, I recently had a conference call with two co-arbitrators in what's um, a property damage case in an insurance context. So we're going to be looking at what happened to the property and what it will cost and what 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 what's the best way of reconstructing the property. So I think we all said to each other, if if we need be, we'll we'll make it work by video because it has worked in the past to have construction like cases like that by video. But it, we're we were looking forward to possibly being together in the same room, the three arbitrators looking at construction plans together and being able to study them together. So, you know, there are things that may be better off in person. And of course, it's always nice to be with people <laughs> as opposed to looking at a screen. But bottom line is I've done construction cases by Zoom. I've done other technical cases by Zoom. I've done cases where people are hard to persuade by Zoom and it works. Well, we'll leave it there for now. Z, Michael, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast from JAMS, the world's largest private alternative dispute resolution provider. Our guests have been JAMS Neutral Z Claiborne and Michael Young. For more information about JAMS, please visit www.jamsadr.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from JAMS.